Samuel, the book of 2 Samuel. In Samuel chapter number 20, I want to read there a few scattered verses of Scripture as my text for this service today. Chapter number 20 of 2 Samuel, verse 1, it said, And there happened to be there a man of Belial whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. Verse number 6, And David said to Abishai, Now shall Sheba, the son of Bichri, do us more harm than did Absalom. Take thou thy Lord's servants and pursue after him, lest he get him fenced cities and escape us. Verse number 15, talking about Joab, and he came and besieged him, that is Sheba, in Bethel, in Abel of Beth, Mecca, and they cast up a bank against the city, and it stood in the trench, and all the people that were with Joab battered the wall to throw it down. Then cried a wise woman out of the city, Hear, hear, I pray you unto Joab, come near hither that I may speak with thee. And when he was come near unto her, the woman said, Art thou Joab? He answered, I am he. Then she said unto him, Hear the words of thine handmaiden. And he answered, I do hear. Then she spake, saying, they were wont to speak in old times, saying, They shall surely ask counsel at Abel. And so they ended the matter. I am one of them that are peaceable and faithful in Israel. Thou seekest to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why wilt thou swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. The matter is not so, but a man of Mount Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichri by name, hath lifted up his hand against the king, even against David, deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. The woman said unto Joab, Behold, his head shall be thrown to thee over the wall. Then the woman went unto all the people in her wisdom, and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, cast it out to Joab, and he blew a trumpet, and they retired from the city, every man to his tent, and Joab returned to Jerusalem unto the king. I know my reading was rather lengthy, but I want to preach to you this morning from the subject, The Kingdom at the Crossroads. The Kingdom at the Crossroads. Will you pray with me? Dear God, thank you, Lord, for your mighty word, your spirit, your power, your glory, your blessing, the anointing that has been upon all of the preaching that has preceded this moment, God. I ask, would you grace your servant again? The mighty anointing, the power of God, the Spirit of the Lord, enable liberty to prevail. Anoint my mind to convey that that you have burned within my heart. I'm asking you for it. I'm believing you for it, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The kingdom at the crossroads. There is not one of us here today that cannot fully, fully tell the story of Absalom's rebellion. Of all that took place that is very, very common, very well known to each one of us, of a treacherous time 
that happened that he opened the door to in the midst of the kingdom of Israel back in the Old Testament. A young man, the king's son, whose feelings were that he had it all together and he was willing to do whatever it took to establish himself in a place of preeminence and power, regardless of all of the end result that was there. You know and I know everything that happened and took place in the midst of Absalom's rebellion until finally God let him have enough rope till finally he was there hung on the branches of that low-hanging oak tree. The darts were thrust through his heart. There Joab, or Absalom, died, was buried in the Kingsdale, a remembrance of all that would go on there. There is much that we talk and that we say about Absalom and the rebellion and all that he did. But I want you to know for every generation and every Absalom, God has an oak tree that is growing. And the Almighty God has already planned the end and the demise of everyone that would ever strike out on them courses. Uh, I'm not here to preach to you today a gloom and a doom sermon. I trust that you will understand. There is not one question mark in my mind as I approach this pulpit today of whether or not the church of the living God will survive. There's no worries uh, that are beating in the heart of this young preacher about its survival. I noticed something as I was studying the Word of God last night. Uh, Bible scholars will tell you that the books of Samuel and the books of Kings uh, give one slant and one version upon what went on in and surrounding the reigns uh, of David and Solomon. But the book of Chronicles gives it from a little different perspective. It covers the same time period, but Chronicles talks about it from God's perspective, how God saw an overview of it. I was shocked to discover that when it was written from God's perspective, uh, that Absalom and his awful rebellion was not allowed to have five chapters, uh, or even two chapters, uh, or even one chapter. Amen. Uh, but all that is mentioned in the book of Chronicles uh, about Absalom is a little tiny footnote uh, that he was born, he had some sons, uh, and he had some daughters. Uh, and God dipped his pen again uh, in the quill and said, move on. Uh, amen. You know what that tells me? Uh, that tells me that according uh, to God's divine economy, uh, the word of God is true. Uh, the gates of hell uh, shall not uh, prevail uh, against uh, the church of the living God. Uh, for every Absalom uh, that rises up, uh, the almighty God says, uh, you'll be born, uh, you'll have sons, uh, you'll have daughters, uh, You'll try to create a great big splash, uh, but when it's said and done, uh, them that have righteousness in their heart uh, and love truth uh, and love godliness uh, and love the things of the Lord, uh, my brother, they're moving on. Uh, they're moving on. Uh, they're seeing the kingdom of God uh, brought into its fruition uh, and fulfillment by the Lord. Hallelujah. And so I'm not here to preach to you today about Absalom. I really doubt if Absalom's come to PSR. Amen. Amen. You say, oh, I don't believe that. No, I do. I, I, if they come, they, they'd have to wear a bulletproof vest and 
do everything that they could do. I believe every person that comes to PSR has a desire within them, uh, amen, to pursue the righteous things of the Lord. Uh, and they want it. They crave for it. They are longing for it. Uh, and so I'm not going to preach to you uh, about Absalom here or talk about him because he's just a footnote in the kingdom of God and what God has. Uh, but I want to tell you that there are three basic needs uh, that the kingdom had back then uh, when they came to the crossroads uh, and they were typified in the life of three different uh, individuals uh, that we find in these two or three short chapters uh, when it talks about the cross currents uh, and all of the tremendous pressure that was pulling and tearing apart uh, and trying to wrest the kingdom away from its rightful place and position. Uh, there are three needs uh, that I want to try to appeal to you uh, that if we can see them uh, brought forth in the kingdom of God, uh, friend, there's no worry about her destiny. There's no worry about her direction. There's no worry about where she's going uh, and what's going to happen when she gets there. The first need that took place, and I want to talk to you about it, when the kingdom is at the crossroads, there is a great need for courageous men. Amen. A great need for courageous men. Chapter 19 tells us about a man by the name of Mephibosheth. You'll read a little bit of his background. You'll find out at six years old. He was laid up as a cripple. He had an accident that was not his fault at all. He came in spite of this malady and handicap that he had. Bible said that Mephibosheth came from the land of Lodibar. Now that simply means no pasture. On top of being crippled, having a hard time getting around, no motorized wheelchairs, he came from a place where there wasn't any pasture anyhow to help him raise the little crops to feed his kids and take care of the needs that was there. One day the king came to Mephibosheth and he said, you know what, I would like to bestow an honor upon you. Uh, I want you uh, to sit all the days of your life life uh, at the king's table. I want you, uh, amen, to come with me to the palace. Uh, and all the days of your life, uh, you are going to be, the scripture said, uh, as one of the king's sons. Uh, I want you to come along. You might have been picked on, criticized, uh, humiliated with all of the maladies that you've got. Uh, but I want you to come with me. Uh, and for from this day forward, it's going to be different, buddy. You're coming to the king's house. Uh, you're going to be at the king's table. Uh, and great things are going to happen for you. Uh, the Bible said uh, that Mephibosheth came there. Uh, and the scripture declares uh, that he was allowed uh, every day uh, to come up to the king's table there. Uh, not with a hangdog look. Uh, not acting like I'm only worthy of the crown. Uh, but the crippled boy that he was uh, right sitting at the king's table uh, shoulder to shoulder with the rest of royalty uh, he shoveled in the food uh, and enjoyed the conversation uh, he loved it and enjoyed it all uh, notice with me if you will my friend uh, that he was lame uh, in his feet uh, that meant when he pulled up to the king's table uh, that his handicaps uh, were hid uh, under the king's table. Uh, that meant that when he sat there uh, and he enjoyed feasting uh, on the blessings of God, uh, he didn't feel intimidated. Uh, he didn't feel like uh, he was a no-count. Uh, brother, from his waist up, uh, he was as normal as the rest of them. Uh, and he enjoyed uh, 
on with them, uh, talking with them, carrying on. Uh, and the king said, that's the way I like it. Uh, anybody that sits at my table, uh, I don't want them humiliated. Uh, I don't want them put down. Uh, I want them uh, to feel just as much uh, a part of the kingdom uh, as anybody else. Uh, aren't you glad the king came by one day? Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And said, crippled son, uh, crippled daughter, a uh, hey, child, come on in uh, to this royal family. Uh, come on in. Uh, there's plenty of food on the table. Uh, I got a filthy past. Uh, I got problems. Uh, I got things that I'm embarrassed over. Uh, he said, sit here with a smile on your face uh, and joy in your heart. Uh, you're to eat as one uh, of the king's sons. Uh, you are a part uh, of God. God's kingdom, and don't you dare take the back seat. You know, when we realize that all of us have handicaps that are hid underneath the king's table, it is supposed to develop a spirit of meekness in us. Hallelujah. It is supposed to develop a spirit of meekness inside of us hallelujah i meet so many people I know I've pastored them before, amen, that I get them to do everything, but they fail to realize that they got some handicaps themselves that's hid under the king's table, and the judgmental spirit and attitude that they get toward every brother that sits around the table with them and every sister that is there, it just stinks. You think, my God, you, you want the king to expose, amen. No, I'm not talking about hidden sin. Uh, I'm not talking about problems. Uh, I'm talking about handicaps uh, that all of us uh, have got. Uh, I've seen them. Oh, yeah, fire eaters. Uh, they come to my church. Uh, they sit there on the front row. Uh, oh, yeah, I've seen them. Give it to me, preacher. Uh, give it straight. Bless God. Uh, anybody that can't line up to this uh, ain't got what I want. Uh, instead of regular Dr. Pepper, I want jolt, you know. Uh, that stuff with twice the caffeine. Uh, I, I gotta have that. Uh, I, I'm addicted to it. Uh, you mean uh, oh, you, you you can't stand that little mild hot sauce? Give me, uh, amen, the powerful stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, this macho spirituality. Uh, come on, lay it on me. Uh, I'm going to eat the word. Uh, and they act like it's gunpowder. Give me some more. Arr, arr. You mean them ungodly people uh, can't live up to this? Arr, arr. I want it. I love it. Arr, arr, arr. You know what my Bible tells me? And oh, God smote my heart with this. It said the only way that I can be saved is if I receive the engrafted word with meekness. With meekness. <laughs> which is able to save your soul. Can I tell you, you can mainline the word all you want. You can snort it till your eyes turn blue. But if while the preaching of the word of God is going forward, it's only to load your muskets and put bullets in where you're saying that'll get them, that'll get them, that'll get them, that'll blow them out of the water, that'll get them. That word is good. But it does not have the potential uh, of saving your soul. Uh, it is only uh, when we receive uh, the word with meekness uh, that it has the ability to save our souls. We need a revival of meekness. We need a revival of what Daniel had. 
that when he heard of the judgments that were coming on the compromisers of his day, he didn't jump up and down and do cartwheels and said, that a boy, God, go get him. But the Bible said when he heard of the judgments that were coming on backslidden Israel, that he fell sick for many days. For many days he fell sick thinking, oh God, oh God, I know better than them. I've got some lame places on my feet too. But it's only by the grace of God that I'm still sitting at the king's table. We need a revival of meekness like Moses uh, that when God promised the horrors of judgment, uh, he fell on his face and said, Hey, God, hadn't you seen my feet lately? If you're going to blot them out, blot me out also. Uh, we need men uh, that can receive the engrafted word uh, with meekness. Uh, oh, yeah. You say, Brother White, do you want it toned down? Not in the least. Uh, do you want it uh, at all? prevaricated or compromised uh, oh no uh, but I want people uh, that when they sit on the pews uh, in my sanctuary uh, and the straightforward word of God goes forth uh, that they receive it with meekness uh, that it might save their souls God asked of Mephibosheth he said you can go ahead sit at my table all you want he said but there will come a time when you'll have to stand up for what's right that's all he asked i'll hide your handicaps i'll do everything for you but you're going to have to stand up for what was right war broke out absalom and the rebellion and all but Phibosheth wasn't showing up on the other side of jordan to declare his loyalties to the king Finally, several days later, Mephibosheth comes hobbling up. And as he comes hobbling up there, the king says, Mephibosheth, where have you been, son? I've hid your handicaps and cared after you. But the time when I needed you to stand up for righteousness, where in God's earth have you been, son? He said, uh, 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 but, 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 king, can't you, can't you see my, 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 my feet are lame? Funny thing you got here now and couldn't come a few days earlier. Uh, 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 well, uh, King, he said, can't you tell? He comes up, he's unshaven. He's got filthy feet. And the Bible said he's got dirty clothes. He hadn't washed his clothes for all them days uh, that he's been lagging behind, not willing to stand up for righteousness. You know, those kind of cowards live a miserable life. I mean, a miserable life. Can you imagine? Uh, amen. Trying to prove a point so bad uh, that you wouldn't shave and wear dirty clothes for days and weeks uh, to try to prove, yeah, I'm on your side. Uh, I really am. Uh, I'm on your side. Uh, you know what God is asking out of us? Uh, number one, uh, he's asking for some Mephibosheths uh, that when we come uh, to the king's table uh, and we set our feet uh, underneath his table. Uh, there some handicaps uh, in our lives are hidden, uh, but there comes a time uh, that the Lord said, hey, uh, I don't expect you to go out and fight your brother, but I want you to declare uh, your loyalties uh, and stand up for righteousness uh, and declare uh, who is on uh, the Lord's side. Uh, we need some courageous men uh, to fill our churches. Uh, I'm talking about men. I know what it's like. I am one. I pastor a bunch of them. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm just not the forceful type. I'm just not that kind. You know, my wife's more the leader in my family than I am. And I have a hard time kind of coming across. God help your wretched soul. If you sit under the king's table when the kingdom is at the crossroads, you've got to stand up and declare but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to love righteousness. We're going to separate ourselves as unto the Lord. The second thing the kingdom desperately needed then and still needs it now after courageous men 
is it needs wise mothers. Wise mothers. I read to you the story where the Bible said that all of a sudden Absalom was already dead. I've heard some people say nobody can cause trouble in a church like the preacher's kid. Go home and read this story again. David said, hey, all the problems Absalom caused, they won't hold the light to the problems that old Sheba, the Benjamite, the saint's kid is fixing to cause to the kingdom. Amen. He said he's a man of Belial. He's a, yeah, he's a Benjamite, uh, but he is a man uh, of Belial. Uh, and I got the feeling uh, that as we go after him, uh, there's going to be some fence cities uh, that might decide uh, that they're going to harbor the fugitive in there. Uh, I've got the feeling uh, that there'll probably be somebody uh, that will look out in sympathy uh, and see old Sheba coming uh, and open the gates and let him in uh, and we'll never be able to get at him uh, and destroy him. Uh, you hear me, friend? Uh, the name Sheba simply means seven. Uh, that's God's perfect number. Uh, he was from uh, the lineage uh, of Bikri, which means youthful, uh, along to the kingdom. Uh, amen. Comes uh, youth uh, that says uh, we're God's perfect number. Uh, we got it all together. Uh, the elders don't really know uh, what they're talking about, uh, but bless God, let's blow a trumpet uh, and let's get some things rolling around here. Uh, there's a lot uh, of stagnation uh, that's been going on uh, and we just needed a leader uh, and along comes Sheba and he said I'll do it uh, in my youthful zeal uh, I'll lead them on uh, brother we're God's kids uh, and let's get out and do it that attitude and that mentality, according to the Word of God, uh, was worse uh, than anything uh, that Absalom ever did. He marched, and sure enough, as Joab chased him into a city, the Bible said, he found a city that would harbor that fugitive, rebellious spirit. He found a city where only women were because all of the men were gone to war. And he found a sympathy within the hearts of some women. He said, I've got a son too. I've got a daughter too. I've got some teenagers myself. Uh, and so, you know, Sheba, he's just probably a little confused. Uh, he's just, uh, let's not be too hard on him. Uh, everybody goes through them tough times. Uh, let's take it easy on him. Uh, just go ahead uh, and invite him in the city. Uh, inside of the city comes this young punk uh, that thinks he's God's perfect number. Uh, the youthful thrust uh, that's going to get done uh, what old fogey David uh, was never able to accomplish uh, and barging through of the city. Uh, he comes to the welcome arms uh, of them that are sheltering him uh, and putting him there uh, on the inside of that city. Notice with me, if you will, uh, the Bible tells us uh, that this city, I know you won't remember it all, uh, amen, but the city had two different names that it went by. One name was Abel, uh, and that meant a productive meadow. The other other name uh, was Beth Macaw. That meant the house uh, of depression. 
You hear me? Uh, every woman uh, can make it up in their mind. Uh, amen. Whether uh, the gates of their city uh, are going to be a productive meadow uh, or if it's going to be the house uh, of depression. Uh, they have their choice uh, as to what they want to do with it. Uh, the ERA movement uh, of our day today uh, said being a housewife uh, and rearing children and teaching them godly virtues is such a dull, dead, boring, unchallenging experience. That's why we all have to turn to alcohol, they say. If we stay home, we got to watch all the soap operas and we got to curl up in bed with the romance novels to get our minds off of the drudgery of what we are doing. But my friend... The Bible said uh, that there was a wise mother uh, in Israel uh, inside of that city uh, that said you can call it uh, a house of depression uh, if you want to, uh, but I'm calling it uh, a productive meadow. Uh, I'm raising some children uh, that'll love righteousness, uh, that'll love holiness, uh, that'll love the things of God, uh, that will be productive. For the glory and the honor of the Lord. Joab comes against the city. Friend, he don't mess around. He gets... trench he builds up great big pile of dirt and stones there he gets the ramrods and whatever other instruments of war that they had and all of a sudden kerbash he starts ramming against that wall what are you doing joab he said, I'm sent here for the king, buddy. There's something inside the gates of your city that is worse than Absalom. Uh, and I'm coming to get it. A uh, well, man don't get so radical about it. Uh, Kerbash! Uh, the Bible said they battered uh, up against the wall uh, of that city. We're bringing it down. Uh, we're getting that spirit out. Uh, we're bringing it down. Uh, oh, yeah. Give me them old carnal, uh, carnal uh, women that think they live in the house of depression uh, that look up uh, and say, why is the preacher so hard on young people? Hallelujah. Why can he understand? Oh, they are so deprived and there's so many things they have to do without. Uh, why uh, does he have to get so radical? Uh, I mean, he gets red in the face. Uh, he gets spitting mad. Uh, can he just smile uh, when he talks to us uh, about what my darling little 13-year-old honey bun sugar pie needs to do just a little different? Brother, it's getting quiet in here. Bam! He rattles the wall again. Uh, what in the world? Joab, calm down, buddy. Man, man, what are you after? Uh, he said, I'm sorry. Uh, but what, man, isn't there an easier way to do it? Bam! Yeah, lady, unlock the gate. You unlock that gate and quit protecting your kid. Uh, you unlock that gate uh, and let me at that rebellion. Uh, you unlock that gate uh, and let me deal with him. Uh, you unlock that gate uh, so the kingdom uh, can prosper uh, and the blessings of God uh, can overtake Israel uh, once again. 
wise mother in Israel. She looked out over the wall and she said, Joab, come nigh to this wall, sir. I hate to see you working as hard as you're working to get at something that you must be trying to get at. Said, your name's Joab. Said, yes, it is. Said, I'm from Abel. You notice she didn't call it the other name. I'm one of these peaceable mothers in Israel. And the Bible said, not Joab, not David, but God called her a wise mother in Israel. She said, and I want to know how that I can work in cooperation with you. That's what I'm interested in knowing, preacher. I'm not interested in knowing how to defend against you and how to shelter and how to think you're picking on my lovely little Susie. And if you was quit picking on her, I'm going to quit paying tithes. I go down the street to another church. Because bless God, I know you only had boys. That's why you don't understand girls. You only had girls, so you don't understand boys. And if you nonsense, she said, I want to know, preacher, how can I work with you if there's rebellion in my city? Amen. That is stopping the blessings of God from flowing in the kingdom. Tell me, preacher, and I'll help you out. I'll get rid of it. I'll do everything I know. I want Israel to progress and to go forward. I'm not about to defend and harbor a fugitive, rebellious spirit inside of my house. God's plan has always been that the mothers of Israel work in coordination with the ministry. You see, it wouldn't have done Israel any good at all to chase Sisera all over them hills if when he got inside jail's tent, she said, lie down, little darling. You poor little abused thing. Oh, my, my. Have some milk and hide. Old jail said, preacher, whatever's inside my tent flap that is anti-God, that has got rebellion in it, she said, you don't have to worry about me. I got a nail waiting for it. I got a nail waiting for it. Amen. God, give us wise mothers in Israel that have got a nail uh, waiting just inside their tent flap uh, that any time uh, that 15 year old kid of theirs uh, gets rebellious uh, they say we ain't tolerating uh, that kind of spirit around here uh, you're not talking about about the preacher at this dinner table uh, you're not gonna fucking snort uh, over the things uh, that you don't like uh, we need wise mothers in Israel uh, when the kingdom uh, is at the crossroads. I think of my godly mother. Oh, I thank God for her today. I can remember coming and telling her, Mama, she was a little hard of hearing. And I thought, this is my chance. I'm going to get that transistor radio and I'm going to keep it just at the decibel level where she can't hear it. Inside the bed, I know daddy's off to war. He won't be back till five o'clock. But I'm going to listen to some of that rock music. Amen. I'd get in the bedroom and I'd turn that transistor radio on. Sometimes I'd get the earphones, you know, or the earplug back in them days. It wasn't quite as fancy. Amen. And I, I'd start listening to it. And lo and behold, she'd come in and say, what is it, son? Oh, it's just the news, Mom. Amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just something else. Some religious station. Some talk show, Mom. Something's going on. Every time I'd slip to the restroom, that old mom of mine crank up that hearing aid and go in that bedroom turn that volume switch up many 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 times I'd come back and the transistor radio was gone I say mom where's my radio she said you know where it's at you ain't getting it back what do you mean mom she said I told you you ain't listening to that garbage in this house mm. hallelujah 
Well, 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 did the preacher just preach on it this weekend? Uh, it ain't what the preachers preached on this weekend. Uh, way back, he set the record straight, uh, and I'm working in conjunction with him. Uh, and I'm going to be a wise mother in Israel. Uh, and we're going to have godliness uh, instead of rebellion around here. Oh, yeah. I can remember me trying to argue to her and tell her, Mom, you just don't understand this Andre Crouch record that I really like. <laughs> oh, I, I just love good black gospel music. She said, son, get you Mahalia Jackson. Get you somebody else. Uh, Mom, you don't understand. We, we ain't never going to relate to them kids at our high school, uh, you know, with all of this Merle Ewing stuff uh, and all, you know, all of this stuff. We ain't never going to relate to them, Mom, uh, with all of that type of stuff. Uh, man, we got to have some juking and jiving, Mom, uh, for the kids to be able to enjoy it. And they'll hear the good gospel song. And there are some slow songs uh, along with that. Yeah, that was the forerunner uh, to all this Christian rock garbage, uh, amen, uh, that is swept in uh, to our churches. Uh, oh, uh, but the problem uh, is not that we don't have some Joabs uh, that are banging on the wall uh, saying, I'm going to get it. Uh, the problem is uh, we got some mamas uh, that won't unlock the gate uh, and say, come on in. I'm not about uh, to harbor anything uh, inside of my house uh, that you preach against. Uh, I stand firm with you. I remember the day I tried to persuade her that I could play on the Little League ball team and everything would be fine. I said, Mom, Dad works till past dark. You don't understand. I know, I know he's against it. But he's gone out to war, Mom. And you know, isn't there... Some way I'd be home, I'd be in my street clothes, I'd be in all that. She looked at me and she said, Philip, if Dad dies tomorrow, as long as I raise you, you'll never play on a little league ball team. Hallelujah. Oh, you think I liked it? Not on your life. But there was a godly mother in Israel that knew Joab can beat on the wall all he wants. But if the mamas inside don't cooperate with the preacher, we'll never get the rebellion out. We'll never get the problem solved. We'll never be able to get Israel beyond the crossroads and back to the days of glory where the fire of God is falling and the youth group is evangelizing and working and laboring for God with all of their hearts. Thank God for godly mothers in Israel. Never forget the time, and I'll move on after this. She told me. I argued with her. Mom, I'm, I'm a relatively bright kid, but I'm not getting a good education. You see, I need a television to get a good education, Mom. A lot of things in life I'm missing out on. Oh, sugar pie, God love your little heart, baby doll. Oh, 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 you mean Mickey Mouse and Pluto and all of that are college prep courses that you just, oh, you need it so desperately. Oh, yeah. Finally, one day, a friend that worked with my dad on the painting crew, he went out and he bought a great big old colored set. He came to the house. He told me, he said, you just need a good education, son. You're pretty bright. You go a long ways in life. I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. All I need is a TV, man. Get me one. Get me one. One day, he came in his old jalopy pickup. He parked the truck and he came up to the front door with a great big color set. Knocked on the door. I thought, God does answer prayer. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was just so excited. But when I heard him knock, I heard Mama's footsteps. I thought, uh-oh, you blew it, man. She came and Clem said, uh, explain to her, I brought this for the educational advancement of this bright young boy of yours and 
Y'all better quit trying to live that deprived life for him. And you better think twice about it. And he left it there. Little did Clem know that before he got that old jalopy started back up again, my mom had the Salvation Army on the telephone. She said, I got a colored set waiting out on the front porch. If you don't hurry up and get here, it won't be in one piece. Because it's not coming inside of my home. Oh, should, should, shouldn't you wait, Mom, and go talk it over with the preacher? Shouldn't you see if some way uh, there wouldn't be a reconsideration uh, on the matter? Uh, a wise mother in Israel uh, said, if it's my tent flat uh, or your tent flat, uh, there's no spirits uh, of rebellion uh, that's going to live around here. Uh, we owe it uh, for the kingdom uh, to stand up uh, for righteousness. Uh, and to work in coordination with the man of God. That wise old mother said, Hey, just give me a minute and I'll have Sheba's head rolling off the edge of the wall. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. What are you going to do? You don't look like some big football player. How are you going to tackle that, that young rascal that's bucking his... Don't you worry. A wise mama knows how to get the job done. Uh, amen. Uh, oh, he's too old now. I can't control him. Uh, he's out of control. Uh, she's reached the ripe old age of 40. Find a way. It's coming out. It's coming out. It's coming out. We're not going to contaminate our city with rebellion, our homes with rebellion. She rolled that rebel's head out the wall, and the Bible said peace came to the kingdom again. The last thing that I would like to say here today, the third thing the kingdom needs at the crossroads, besides courageous men that will stand for righteousness and wise mothers that will help the preacher purge rebellion, but we also need unshakable elders. The Bible said there was a man that was 80 years old by the name of Barzillai that when the kingdom was rocking and reeling and pitching and bucking, everything was out of sorts. There was one 80-year-old man named Barzillai that loaded up his donkeys and all of his caravan. And he went on the other side of Jordan. He said, I want you to know, O king, the elders still stand for what they used to stand for. Oh, king, said, I want you to know we ain't followed after Absalom. We ain't followed after Sheba. We ain't going to follow after anybody else. Uh, but we are on the side of righteousness. We have fixed our sights uh, by the stars of the heaven uh, and not the transitory landmarks uh, of this world. Uh, can I appeal to you, uh, dear elders among us, uh, and I see so many whiteheads, uh, dear elders among us, uh, if the kingdom at the crossroads uh, cannot have you remaining uh, unshakable uh, and still preach and declare and believe and command uh, the same things uh, that you always did. Uh, the kingdom uh, does not have the stability uh, that it needs to survive uh, the treacherous hours uh, that we are living in. Uh, I beg of you, Barzillai, you're listening uh, to the heart cry uh, of one desperate 32-year-old preacher saying, I desperately need you more than I need my peers, more than I need the preachers of my own age group that might agree with me on the things that I want. I need you, Barzillai, to stand at the crossroads 
and declare your loyalties exactly the same as what they have ever, ever been. Bible tells us of Rehoboam. It tells us of Rehoboam, you know. He listened to the counsel of his young men, but wait, have you read the Scripture well? He started off listening to the counsel of the old men. But in the process of three days of time, he changed his mind and switched from the old men to the young men. Every preacher goes through three stages of time just like a child. We go through our infancy when we're just trying to start preaching. And we'll seek your counsel. We'll desperately need your approval. Then we go through adolescence uh, where there's little spirits of rebellion. Uh, and then we develop on uh, into full adulthood. Oh, my friend, somehow I don't want to start off listening to the elders uh, in infancy. Uh, and somewhere between adolescence uh, and the full maturity of my ministry. I start listening uh, to the same preachers uh, of my same age bracket that I know will agree with me uh, and pat me just like uh, I want to be patted. Uh, but dear God, uh, this is one preacher. Uh, that one counseling session with a Barzilli eye means more uh, than talking with 20 men uh, of my same age. Uh, it means more to me uh, because we need uh, unshakable elders in this hour that the kingdom is at the crossroads we need you to blow the trumpet with the same sound that you blew it with 40 years ago we need you Barzillai we need you I stood last night at the end of the service and I wept as I looked up at Elder Choice Webb up in his 70s. And I thought, he don't know it. I've been praying an awful lot for him lately, asking God to bless him. What Elder Webb doesn't know is that my wife wasn't blessed to come out of the same home as what I was. She came from a broken home. She came from a place uh, that was not strong and stable. And there stand for all the ways of righteousness. But one day at age 17, she came and lived there for a while. And that elder, that elder means the whole world to me. Because when I'm out to battle, I know now there's a mother of my children staying back at home and I know that she's standing up for the same things that I'm out fighting on the battlefield for I know she's not selling my ministry short I know she's not compromising the things that I preach to make allowances for my kids as they get a little bit older because there was an elder named Barzillai set her down one day at 17 and said these are the ways of separation. These are the ways of righteousness. She clings to them to this day. Elder Webb, if you live to be 99, please, please remain unshakable. Because my foundation and my children are standing at a kingdom that's at the crossroads. And I desperately need your stability. Shall we stand together? Let's lift our hands unto the Lord.